BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. What is up, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger Podcast. Now, today's episode is a very interesting one because I feel like we really do a deep dive into all aspects of being a founder. Of course, today's guest is none other than Mickey Agarwal, who, if you haven't heard of her, she's had an incredible career trajectory. She is truly a serial entrepreneur and kind of disruptor at her very core. I mean, she wrote a book called Disrupt Her, but she really is kind of a visionary. So Mickey co-founded Thinks, then she went on to found Tushy. And so she is, she's this founder who kind of goes into these spaces, which were taboo before she touched them. So Thinks was um, a period brand underwear. And it was, you know, I believe either the first or one of the first in the space, which is absolutely incredible. And then Tushy, which is a bidet brand. And let me tell you, this was much, much required. And I remember looking into Tushy early days of Array and like really just admiring everything that they'd done from their messaging to the cohesiveness of their languaging and just how gorgeous and amazing their product was. So Mickey really is someone who is a trailblazer. And in this episode, we do a deep dive into her journey as a founder. She was at Thinks, obviously, as the founder, and she gives us a lot of lessons on things to look out for, which we sometimes don't as founders. So it's just a really interesting episode, whether you are a founder or thinking of starting your own brand or are just curious about the trials and tribulations of what it means to be a brand founder. She's someone who um, I learned so much from, and I think you guys will too. So I'm really, really excited to bring you this episode. Before we go into the show, though, I have this week's hot tip, which is actually a supplement that I have been loving. And I am talking about Symbiotica's longevity mushrooms. Okay. So you guys, this is a liposomal format delivery, which I've talked about before, but this is one of my favorite delivery methods when it comes to um, certain kinds of supplements. So essentially it's like a paste almost that you consume. And this is like a mushroom blend and it it's, it tastes amazing. It's this like chocolatey flavor. And so if you are looking to try a mushroom blend, I highly recommend this one. I'm a big fan of mushrooms, especially when done right. And Symbiotica, I'm a big fan of the brand. You know, I'm a supplement brand founder. And so what I'm constantly looking for is efficacy. And I love to support other brands who really have their shit together. And Symbiotica is one of them. So highly, highly recommend this product. Definitely a very, very hot tip. Now this week's review comes to us from Adriana 
Petro Paolo. I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and she says, discovering Sif and her podcast has been so influential on the way I approach every day of my life personally and as, a, and as an entrepreneur. Her podcast truly deliver tangible and achievable takeaways that don't feel daunting and easy to try and incorporate into your own routine from journaling to habits to annual goal setting and the guests that she has on the show. I love the absolute real down to earth energy she brings. It makes it feel like we are good friends chatting about how to make small adjustments to our lives and to live it to the fullest. Love, love, love it. This is such a sweet review. Adriana, thank you so much for taking the time to write this. It's so detailed and so thoughtful and I really, really appreciate you. If you do have a couple of minutes and want to show this and want to show the show support, please, please take the time to rate and review the podcast. All you have to do is open the Apple podcast app, scroll down to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. If you feel like I've earned it, please leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, let me know what you're loving, um, what you want to see more of, favorite topics, guests you'd like to see on or favorite guests from the past. Maybe you want a part two with a specific guest. Whatever it is, let me know. I love hearing from you guys. It really informs the way that I show up as a host because I'm always out here trying to go above and beyond for you guys. And so the more I hear from you, the better. So if you do have a chance to leave the show a rating and a review, I so appreciate it. And um, with that, let's dive into this week's episode with Mickey Ockerwall. So you started your career as an investment banker. Well... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, probably the worst investment bank on, on Wall Street. <laughs> so this is what I want to get into to begin with, because so many of my listeners ask or like want to hear about what the right time is to step away from a career that doesn't necessarily light them up. And so I think it's really interesting to have someone like you on because from investment banker to like, you know, founder of Tushy, I feel like you've lived so many lives. And so I would love to just get into that. I mean, it was a bittersweet, lucky, unlucky moment. Mm -hmm. When I was 22 years old, Mm -hmm. my first job out of college was working at Deutsche Bank, Mm -hmm. which was directly across to World Trade Center, 2001. No way. And I started my job September 1st, 2001. I did two months of training prior to starting the first week. And, you know, we know what happened 10 days later on September 11th. And, you know, I, I would my subway stop every single morning was to World Trade Center. And I would basically get off the train, get tea with my girlfriend, Laura, who worked on the 100th floor at a company called Aon. And we would get tea and then I would walk across the street to my office and she'd go up to the 100th floor. And 9-11 happened and 700 people in her office died on that day. And and two people in my office died on that day. Never Never came home. People with families, people with kids, people who just got married, people, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was was horrific. Truly horrific. And my girlfriend happened to go down to get coffee right before the first plane hit. And so I didn't know she was alive. She didn't know I was alive. It was just one of those crazy moments. Like I remember that was the very first, like the first and only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock. Oh my God. The only single, I'm the lightest sleeper. Even this morning I woke up super light. Like I'm just a light sleeper. Yeah. And it was the only day in my life that I slept through my alarm clock and woke up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And I remember that day, I was like just started my job the week prior and I was like, oh my God, I got to get to the office. And I and I couldn't, you know, and at the time you had to call car services, you know, to get to the, mm-hmm. to the office. Mm-hmm. Like it was hard to find taxis, like out, you couldn't call. Mm-hmm. And so all the lines were busy. And, you know, out of context, you're like, what's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I just got to get to work. I got to. And then finally, one car service company picks up and I was like, I got to get to my office. And they were like, turn your TV on, click. And they just hung up. I mean, think about it, out of context. And you're yeah. like trying to get to work and they just say, turn your TV on. You're like, what is happening? All the phone lines are busy. So finally, I turned the TV on and just saw like just the madness and the planes and the the world, the trade centers like, you know, on fire. And I checked my phone. I had hundreds of missed calls from friends. Like everyone thought I was there. People were freaking out. Oh and my God. It, it was one of those like wake up calls. I happened to be 22 years old when that happened for better or for worse. Yeah. And it was like the day that I realized that the mystery of life is that you never know when it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And the time was absolutely now in that moment to make every moment count. And so I was just like, okay, like what am I going to do with my life? Investment banking was already after the two months of training, I was like, I don't want to be a finance person. It's not mm-hmm. my like, whatever. 
And so I, you know, my biggest passion at the time was soccer. Mm. And I played soccer all four years at Cornell and I played my whole life. And it was like the, you know, defined me since I was four years old. Yeah. And so I was like, I want to be a professional soccer player. So I wrote down three things I wanted to do with my life. The first was to be a professional soccer player. The second was to make movies. And third was to start a business. Wow. They're all so different. Yeah. 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 And you just went for soccer. I went for soccer and then made movies and then I started a business. No way. Yeah, so you did all three. Yes. Yep. That's so cool. Okay. So tell me like the soccer journey. You went and yeah. you started well, playing soccer. Well, so the, it's the craziest <laughs> story. I found out the New York Magic were holding tryouts in Brooklyn. And I had to basically sneak out of my job twice a week to go try out for the New York <laughs> Magic. And so I basically, you know, I, I like I when I walked into the office because I'd be, you know gotten f- I would always get food for the doorman and for the car service guys we just treat them really like friends you yeah, know of course. they they let me store my soccer bag behind the front desk and they wouldn't let anyone store anything behind the front yeah. desk kindness goes a long way yeah and then the car service guy I told him my dream and I think part of you know just called dream bigger right mm-hmm. like I think it's so important to share your dreams and state your dreams with other people because then they can be like, oh, I get to help you fulfill your dream. Yeah, yeah. And so in stating my dream to the car service guy, I said, I want to be a professional soccer player mm-hmm. and I need your help to help fulfill my dream. Mm-hmm. And he was like, put me in coach. I love soccer. Like his Middle Eastern man and he, you know, had daughters too. And he was like, I want to help you, you know, achieve your dream. So basically I would call at five o'clock. It was straight out of like 007. Yeah. I would like call at five o'clock and say, bring my, to the doorman. And I was like, you know, or the, the front guards. I was like, bring my soccer bag to the car service guy. Yeah, yeah. And so he would like drive, so the guy was like sneakily like walk my soccer bag to the car service guy. The car service guy would get into his car, drive a block and a half away, turn the corner. And then I would leave the bank with a FedEx box, like as if I was going to drop off a FedEx package, but I would turn the corner, jump in, like walk a block and a half, jump into the car and he would take me to Brooklyn oh and I God. would try out for like two and a half hours. And then he would drive me back to the investment bank so I can finish my job. And he did, we did this for, and every single tryout, the coach yeah. would put, you know, the names of the people who would remain on the list. And I kept getting listed and yeah. kept getting listed. Wow. I would go, I went for two and a half months, twice a week that we'd had to do this like drop off and this secret Holy handoff. Crap, so this, this, these tryouts are not a joke. And these are all division one yeah, top athletes from the top. Two and a half months of tryouts. Yes. That's- fucking bananas. It was bananas. And I kept getting, my name was on the list and they finally announced the starting lineup. And, and I was named on the starting lineup, oh starting, God, yeah, amazing. starting right midfield, which was amazing. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'll have to quit my job. Yeah. But I was like, let me play in the first game of the season, see what happens. Yeah. First game of the season, you know, I remember the the referee whistle, blows the whistle. I get the ball, juke pass a couple of players, cross it, striker goes and hits in the back of the net. First assist within the first eight minutes. But as I crossed the ball, the defender came in, took me out, and I heard the telltale snap and tore my ACL. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. After two and a half months, first game. I mean, all that. I went back to my investment banking office, like, working late nights because I was, like, missing those hours. Yeah. So as a universe, just like, you know, building up the muscle of yeah. pain. The resilience. Yeah. I think it teaches you resilience so when much. stuff like this happens because like yeah. we all have like these grand plans. Yes. And then when it Some gets. Some shit happens. Yeah. And then yeah. initially you're like, what? Like, it's almost unbelievable. But then you realize that it builds your resilience yes. muscle. Yes. And yes. I think, I mean, it prepared you obviously for every other thing that came your way <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So you tear your ACL and then do you decide that like, okay, maybe soccer is not it. Let me go into film. Do you stay at your job while pursuing film? What happens? Yeah. Well, so then I stayed at the investment bank for another year so I can get the best health insurance and get the best, Fair. you know, yeah. the surgery and then the Smart. best yes. physical therapy Strategic. and the whole thing. But then I make so I go out, try out again, make the team again, make a starting lineup again after all that time, and then tear my other ACL. Oh my! Okay, so yeah. this was like the, the universe, nail in the coffin. Yes. Universe was like, okay, you're girl, not, yeah, you're you you need you, yeah. It's bigger. There's there's other things, other pastures, and I was just like, but in the moment, I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, that's that's yeah. no fun. So after the second time, I was like, okay, what's next on my list? Making movies. And so I decided I quit my job and then I started working at a film production house. And I was just like, you know, working like, you know, working and, and, and helping create commercials and music videos and things like that. But then I was like, I'm done with the nine to five. I want to jump off and just start freelancing mm-hmm. so that while I'm freelancing, I can start dreaming up of my potential business that mm-hmm. I want to start. 
And so while I was working in the in the in the film business, I don't know if you've heard of the the craft service tables yeah. on sets mm-hmm. where it's like basically free food and it's snacks. Yeah, and, and the so food quality is just garbage. It's trash. Horrible. Exactly. Yeah. It's horrible. It's like pigs in the blanket, it's pizza, it's M&Ms, it's like Smarties, it's just sugar and gluten it's, and there's bleached. no nutrition there. There's no nutrition and I would just I was like freeze my favorite price and mm-hmm. so I would just eat that every single day and I would walk go home with horrible stomach aches, bloating, awful pain. And I was just like, whoa, like what is happening to me in this moment? So I went home one day and just researched it and was like, holy shit, like, you know, the pizza industry is a $32 billion industry. And I remember every time I ate pizza, I remember that night I ate pizza and I came home bloated and feeling awful, but I love pizza. Like who doesn't love pizza? It's a $32 billion industry. Like Americans eat hundred acres of this every single day. It's wild. It's wild. And so there was a huge opportunity to take this beloved comfort food and turn it on its head and use you know, gluten-free flours and hormone-free cheese and local seasonal toppings and different vegetables to make the product because pizza actually is considered a brain food, a thalamus food, if done right. It's got mm. all the food groups in it, which is why we crave it. Because mm. we actually feel satiated. All of our, the nutrition would be there if done right. So well, like you hear about people going to like Italy and eating pizza and like it's not hurting their stomach in the same way that American like Domino's or whatever does. And it's just like the quality of the ingredients is completely different. Right, exactly. And it's like, and and we know that nutrition is everything to keep ourselves productive, keep ourselves Absolutely. active, keep ourselves like focused on dreaming the next thing that we want to be doing. And we often just kind of turn a blind eye to things the same way we turn a blind eye to, for example, our cell phone obsession and, mm-hmm. and addiction. You know, we turn a blind eye to all the things that we don't want to address, mm-hmm. you know, but when it comes to food, when it comes to a woman's period, when it comes to poop, these are all taboo subjects. And yeah. food is taboo. Yeah. People do not want to be told how to eat and what to eat. Well, also back when you started your brand, oh. gluten-free, like organic, for you, local it was like was, weird. It was crunchy, it granola, was, like what? You know? Exactly. So I actually like speaking of Binks and Tushy, my like the thing that I was gonna ask you is like these are both very like taboo, quote unquote, like yeah. disruptive industries. And what drew you to like go into industries which are just like back when you started it's so like tough and like taboo yeah and and what drove me to get into the taboo space it's not like oh i'm going to get into a taboo space it was like i'm bleeding all the time and i'm leaking on all my shit like this is so ridiculous and is unfun like i don't like interrupting my day running home and changing leaving stains everywhere and actually the idea came on my family barbecue in 2005, when my twin sister Rada and I were defending our three-legged race championship title, mm-hmm. and in the middle of our race, my twin sister started her period, mm-hmm. and and we had to like finish the race tied to each other as she was bleeding down my leg into my sock too, and we kind of like ran up the stairs to the bathroom, and then she, as she was like changing out the bathing suit bottoms, was when the idea hit. Like, wouldn't it be amazing to create a pair of underwear that never leaked, that never stained, that supported women every day of the month, especially when important times like the three-legged race, you know? So yeah, it was a really, really huge aha moment as well from there, which then led to us bringing in Antonia as our third co-founder and then building it from there with our epic team. And so it was just sort of really, really, again, like you just have these like hits of a idea and then it's on us to decide, like, do mm-hmm. I want to pursue that or not? It took us four years to develop the technology. It, and it's four, it's four fabrics and four technologies all together that has to not shrink in the laundry. It has to all work. It has to be breathable because you don't want to have, you know, unbreathable area down there. Like it has to look beautiful, it has to feel comfortable. Like the leg holes have to be not too tight. Like they're so, and the underwear are the hardest product to make on the market by far. And, and so back, I think when you started Thinks, I remember like early days, it, like period underwear was like not a thing. Like, oh, no. It was literally just pads and tampons. Absolutely. Like, I don't think even Diva Cup was a thing back then. It was a tiny blip in the beginning, but it was a, a very, very thir- a far third compared to pads and, pads and tampons. And there was no period underwear category at, at all. I mean, we, we created that for sure. And now, like, walking into a Target, seeing all the different period underwear yeah. options, it's like I feel a, a really deep sense of pride. Yeah. I mean, for y- sure. you, like, really started that trend, which is so, so cool. Yeah. It feels, it feels cool to see. 
You guys, I had the craziest allergies last year. This was around the springtime when we'd gone back to Toronto for a bit. I think my place was a little dusty and I had allergies like never before. So when this was happening, I went on Instagram and asked for recommendations for good air purifiers. And the number of people that recommended Air Doctor was insane. People from all over the world. I had people in India and Bangladesh telling me they bought Air Doctors for every room in their homes. And let me tell you, I was in Dhaka over the winter break as you guys know and the air there is very very polluted and so I saw a lot of my friends actually have air doctors in their homes so you can imagine my excitement when air doctor wanted to partner for the podcast so here are some stats to show you how important an air purifier actually is Americans spend an average of 90 percent of their time indoors according to the EPA indoor air can be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air and in some cases a hundred times more polluted Airborne allergens are the most common allergy triggers, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. They use an ultra HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. Air Doctor has an insane offer for you guys. Like, I am talking insane. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code DREAMBIGGER. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. You are saving up to 40%. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the code DREAMBIGGER. What I love about Air Doctor is their no questions asked 30-day money back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. It's such a no-brainer. Although, spoiler alert, you're probably going to love it. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. So say someone has like a makeup brand, right? Like that's a pretty sexy product to market and get Mm -hmm. out there. How on earth do you get to the consumer and kind of like flip narratives that we've told about like things like our period on its head? Yeah. yeah. And make it a product that like actually people really want. And find sexy. Exactly. Right. Again, this thesis matters deeply. Like as the thesis of best in class product you know, a considered artful design across every touch point of the brand and accessible, relatable language. Because, you know, I remember the first subway campaign we did for for Thinks and, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are walking by the signs and they would be like, wow, that's beautiful art. Looks gorgeous. They're leaning in and they're like, oh my God, it's periods. But the first thing that they said was beautiful. It's artful. So what happens is your heart and your guard comes down mm. because you're like, oh, like that's beautiful. It's artful. Then when you're talking to someone like your best friend and not some clinical, medical, heady, academic, you know, like like totally, you know, over your head, like language, mm-hmm. but it feels like someone's talking to you. Yeah. You're like, oh, you lean in even more. And you're like, so it's just like, how do you bring guards down enough for people to lean in? Mm-hmm. It's very psychological. It's very psychology based. And I think 
I learned so much from standing outside my restaurants for years, handing out little pieces of pizza Mm -hmm. and just testing like subject lines by just saying like healthy pizza, like no one came by. I would be like, you know, organic pizza. People wouldn't come by. It's like delicious pizza, farm to table pizza. People would come. And so a lot of A-B testing things that worked. And what I eventually learned is the more you talk to your people, like you're talking to your best friends and people you know, in a very authentic, true way, not like I'm talking to you like a best friend and it's contrived, but Mm -hmm. like truly, like, let me tell you the thing I'm doing, Mm -hmm. like, and in a way that's just, you know, guard down, like, let's talk. People just resonate because it's true. It's real. It's authentic. It's not put on. It's not inauthentic. It's not like contrived, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And so I think if we use art and language and the best in class product, it truly can shift a, a complete industry. And so for both Thinks and Tushy, we did just that. You know, if you go to hellotushy.com, you know, our website's artful. It it's is, beautiful. Uh, by the way, I have to say, Mickey, so I'm I'm brown and yes. I've grown up with bidets like my entire life. Yes. And I remember when Tushy came along, I was like, this is fucking genius. Like your website was incredible. It was actually one of the first websites that we kept looking at as a case study for mm. something that was done well when we were building Array.com. So I love hearing it, that. I mean, it, it is really, really well done. Like truly. And I think like the way that, and we'll get into Tushy after things, but like the way that you've been able to tell that story in a way that's funny and like approachable yeah. and you're talking about shit, quite yes. literally, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very well done. Thank you. I mean, the thing is like, the the real clear realization that I had is that people, and again, it's like a word that's being used over and over again, but but it, uh, in, in authentic truth, it's people want permission to talk about everything. Mm. People don't want to be like, oh, you can't talk about this. You can't yeah, talk about totally. that. Like, don't tell me what I can fucking talk about or can't talk about. Like, I'm an adult. I'm a human being. Like, who decided what I can and cannot talk about? Society, which is created by most likely old white men hundreds of years ago. Yeah. Like, I'm not subscribing to that old mentality. Like, I get to invent a new world for myself that's kind, just like, you know, beautiful and and in a way that feels good to me, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. the people around me and the world around me. Like what what feels good? Like let's invent a new possibility for what this world could look like yeah. without all these constraints and what you can and cannot do. And I think once we give people permission through the lens of a product mm-hmm. that, hey, not only does it work better, it'll solve your period problem or solve your poop problem, or wash your butt properly. It's not like this disgusting, like, you're just taking dry paper and smearing it yep. around and <laughs> sitting on shit all day long. That's literally what's, and then it crawls up to your vaginal canal and causes infection and disease and chronic UTIs and hemorrhage. I mean, I can go on forever. You know, it's just like, if you really realize like, hey, beyond, you know, all these things that it does for you, it does also give you permission to talk about things that are hard and difficult in heavy quotes that liberates them to talk about everything else. Mm-hmm. And what, what what's amazing about that is what was the impetus that helped them liberate themselves in conversation? Tushy or things, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not like, you know, it, it's not just like, oh, I created, the, you know, we created this product that's period-proof underwear. We created this bidet product. But we're also in the business of liberating like taboos, like something that you shouldn't consider to be talking about to something that's, hey, everyone does it. Like, Let's just not make it shameful. Yeah, I love that. So speaking of the subway, I read all about the whole subway situation that you ran into with Thanks. Can you go into that? Because that actually ended up working out in your favor. Oh, my God. It was truly a catalyst to so many aha moments for the business. It's like, oh, here's truly an example of how you turn lemons into lemonade. So we had, you know, built up enough money in our in our coffers to mm-hmm. do our very first subway campaign in yeah. New York City. Mm-hmm. And New York City is sort of that place where you're like, wow, only like the big name brands, Burberry, Calvin Klein, Verizon, like Sprint, like banks, like those are the only ones who can afford having huge subway campaigns on, in like Grand Central Station or 14th Street, Union Square and all these iconic train stations in New York. But we learned that there's these things called remnant ad space. Mm-hmm. Remnant ad space is you can basically go and get space in a subway. If nobody pick, picks up a spot for a certain month, mm-hmm. you have two weeks to then put the whole campaign together and deliver it to the MTA. And you can get these, these ad spaces for a month for like a fraction of the price. 
which was a huge, huge opportunity for startups. Mm -hmm. And so we learned about these remnant ad spaces and we're like, we're going to go for it. Mm -hmm. And so we basically, you know, put together these gorgeous, our team, I mean, beautiful artists on our team put together these, these incredible posters for the subway. And in that process, the MTA said, no, you can't say the word period. And, and you can't use this, this image, which was like a halved grapefruit, which looked like a vagina to them. But we were like, it's a grapefruit. And by the way, you're using grapefruits to depict augmented breasts and breast augmentation ads all over the subway. Yeah. They had these ads where like these girls were frowning with little oranges and then they were smiling with these huge grapefruits oh in their God. hands. And they were like breast augmentation ads. And these were all over the subways. And, and they that were was fine. Totally fine. And yet using a grapefruit to represent a woman's period was considered like, oh, this is this is a sexual product or it's taboo. It's sexual. actually not. It's how we came into this exactly. earth. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. And so they said, you can't say the word period. And said, what if nine-year-old boys see these ads? And we were like, that would be great because then it spawned a conversation. They'd say, oh, what's a period? We can say, hey, that's food for the baby. When you were in mommy's tummy, that's literally how you were fed was through that blood. Without that important blood, you wouldn't be here. So let's celebrate women when they have that time. It starts to become a conversation. But instead they were like, no, we can't advertise because what if nine-year-old boy sees these ads? That's so wild. It's so crazy. In New York City, the most progressive city in the world. And so rather than us being like, boo, they, they denied our ads, we were like, okay, if you don't give let it give us permission to publish these ads because we are well within the MTA guidelines for sure, we we know that, mm -hmm. then we will go to press and basically expose you guys mm -hmm. and say that you guys are, you know, doing these double standard things that are mm -hmm. just complete old school and, you know, just in bizarre. The, bizarre. Yeah. yeah. And they said, go, go to press. They like called our bluff. And we were like, I don't know any press. But OK. <laughs> and so we basically went to two different press, like people contact third remove that we hopefully knew. And we said, you know, subject heading like, you know, MTA bans our ads from subways, you know, whatever. And two big, big publications were like, we want these ads and uh, this, this story. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great, you both get the exclusive. Yeah. You know, I didn't know how exclusives worked. <laughs> Anyways, it was like so ridiculous. They were like, no, only one of us. Anyways, and so one of them ended up running the ad, the, the, the story, and it blew up internationally. Like New York City, the most progressive city in the world, bans period ads in the subways. And it put things on the map in a way that we never would have dreamed. And it then, they got so many tweets to them, just like to MTA, pressuring them to allow our ads in the subways. And so eventually, not only did we get billions of press impressions, but we also got we were allowed to put our ads in some ways after all thereafter. So we got to both get the press and put the ads in the subways. And it was one of the most iconic subway campaigns in the world, which people have used to this day as, as again, examples for their own campaigns, which is really cool. Do you feel like that was like the real like pivotal moment for things? 100%. What can entrepreneurs learn from an experience like that and apply it to their own business? Because of course, like this was like a unique situation, but like I'm sure that there's a lesson to be learned it's, from there as well. The lesson is turning lemons into lemonade. When uh -huh. you get a no, how do you go around it to get the yes? Yeah. What can you do? What a spectacle can you create? What workaround can you make for the, to, to, to turn this around and, and make it a yes? The first no is always just like, that's table stakes. Mm -hmm. You know, when someone says no, when it comes to anything, fundraising, people are like, oh, I tried to raise money and I couldn't, I'm out. And it's like, no, you have to have a hundred no's before you get your first yes. Like oh, yeah. that's what you have to know. And most people, their egos are so fragile and that they're like, oh, like it's so hard and it is hard. But I think like the muscle of resilience over time, whether it's playing sports or whether it's doing things that you build up that muscle and oftentimes building up that muscle is going back out again and again and again, even when you get the nose because you believe in what you're doing enough. Yeah. And I think that resilience piece is critical of, of just like, OK, cool. First, no, let's go. This is where the games begin. OK, second, no, cool. Like next game. Third, no, cool. Next play. Fourth, no, cool. Next play. And you play the different plays until you've exhausted all plays possible. But, you know, as we know, like probability is in our favor as we keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And eventually something could hit. Yeah. And, so, and I think you just get better at like kind of how to talk about it, yeah, how to figure it out. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's just practice. And it really is that resilience and just like knowing that like, OK, it's fine. You know, like just 
Yeah. yeah. This is next thing. Well, it's so interesting because we did the same exact playbook for Tushy. Mm-hmm. Because Tushy, we raised enough money. We made enough money to actually do our first subway campaign for Tushy as well. Mm-hmm. And and then we were banned from the subways again because they said Tushy's a sex product. Again. Are you joking? No. What the hell? <laughs> it was crazy. We were like, it's a bidet. It's like toilet paper, but way better. It's a shower for your butt. It's a precise shower how for your on, wait, butt. Sorry. How on earth is that sexual? Like Because it's going they... onto your butthole. You know, and so they're like, oh, anything like ass play or whatever. And we're like, it's not ass play. It's a shower for your butt, That's dude. Crazy. Yeah, it was really like, it was just ridiculous. Again, it's old school, old school people who are like making these decisions. It's just shocking because I bet you if a toilet paper company decided to run an ad, it would yeah, be like no, no problem. problem. And it's like, I mean, it's a better version of the same whole, same old thing. No, no, you know? it's like, it's like you like toilet paper smears poop around and water cleans you. It's like the analogy I give is imagine if you jumped in your shower, did not turn the water on and just use dry toilet paper. And you're like, I'm clean. Like it's disgusting. Listen, I'm so glad that you created Tushy and started talking about it because this has been what I've been saying my whole life. Okay, I've come, listen, I'm brown. This is a part of my life, (laughs) okay? I remember when I was little, I moved from Bangladesh to Canada. And I cool. we're cooked, in Canada. Uh, to Toronto. Amazing. I'm from Montreal. Yeah. I yeah. knew you were Canadian Canada. as well. But I remember coming to Toronto and I was like, where is the hose? Right. Like, where is it? Like, why is it not here? It's crazy. And it was just disgusting. So bizarre. Right? Yes. 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 I mean, it's cultural. You know, I mean, bidets are ubiquitous in Asia. They're all everywhere. over Europe. They're everywhere. The only reason why bidets are not in America is cultural. Because a French person invented it and the English hate the French. And during World War II, when American soldiers went to fight in Europe, they would see bidets in French brothels and they associated bidets as something sexual. No way. And so really? Puritanical America during that period, they were like, we were never in brothels. We think bidets are bad and sexual. And so they never brought them to America, but they brought back pizza. They brought back, and they and that's like Pete Domino's, Pizza Hut, all these companies blew up post-World War II, but then they shunned the bidet in America. It's this crazy, ridiculous cultural story that we're shifting. You know? That is insane. Yeah, it's Ugh. nuts. Okay, so I want to go back to the resilience piece again, yes. because apparently this is like a theme within this conversation. Yes. But I, of course, when I was doing my research, yes. I learned about you leaving things. Yes. And I want to talk about that for a second, because I think, again, like there is there's a lot I can say about this, but as a founder myself, yes. I know that so much that happens is to do with context within a company. For sure. and. Yeah, I just, I want to open up the conversation and have you explain sure. what happened there. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those conversations that happened a long time ago. Yeah. And I, I've i put it behind me. However, mm-hmm. I'm happy to share a little bit of a, high, a you know, yeah. higher scale yeah. of it. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be detailed yeah. or anything. Yeah. But because I do think that there is an important takeaway here for entrepreneurs as well. And like, especially as how they yeah. move on with grace. For sure. And- what, what I will say though is, you know, like- during that period of time, mm-hmm. you know, we were in this sort of like period of positivity. Let us talk about all the things. Let's talk about, you know, vag- vaginas. Let's talk about periods. Let's talk about breasts. That's Let's free who, the what nipple. Your company was. That's where a company was all about. And so we attracted people on our team that was all free the nipple, that was all like support, you know, all the pro feminist things. And, you know, when people get fired, they can twist things out of context and share like, oh, you know, like we were showing, we were all topless at our company team retreat, or we were this, we were that, but using it out of context in a way that vilified the whole vision of like freeing. Yeah, it was made the next, to, yeah, like it was, media bait. It was almost. just total clickbait. Yeah. And it was a really, like I was pregnant with my son at the time. And it was just like a, it was just a really dirty experience for me. Yeah. And and I also learned a lot from that experience from from level of protecting myself. Basically like, you know, really having an arm's length relationship with employees because initially when you're like we're all girls, like we're all just like building this thing together and we're all friends and there is unfortunately and fortunately an important sort of distinction with, you know, who who's who's leading and who's your employee yeah. because when you have to make tough decisions, like I have to let you go because you're not doing your job, mm-hmm. they can then turn around and use things against you 
when you were all friendly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. those things really, really, I learned from those those experiences. And it was a really painful time because I couldn't speak about it. I'd signed agreements and things like that that kind of cut my tongue off. So it also when I when people asked me about it, I couldn't talk about it then. And so Ugh. it made me look and like even more like, oh, she must have done something wrong. But meanwhile, I was pregnant with my son. I had to sign agreements that just said like, you can't talk about any of this and we will give you your equity, you know, if you if you if you don't talk, you know, things like that. And so it was a very kind of I learned a lot from that experience. And so, yeah. And so it was it was. But what's so beautiful about that time is that when I started Tushy next and as I built my teams, you know, I was able to really say, oh, wow, like working with only one type of employee across the board is not healthy for a company. If it's all young, 20 somethings, you know, like mostly white feminists, like it's it's a very, it creates a very specific culture mm -hmm. versus, you know, every age, every race, every walk of life, all genders, all of it, it really creates a lot more of a, of a stable, cohesive culture. Yeah. And so with Tushy, I'm so proud that our team is the most diverse from in, in, in every single one of those respects. I love that. And we are like performing incredibly well as a result. So, and the team dynamics are so much better versus just one type of of person to hire. At the time, I didn't know any better. And Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that you come in as an entrepreneur with a manual. Yeah, you know, you for sure. like, I mean, I think everyone throughout their journey, like if I look back at things that I did, like year one of Foray, it's yeah. very different than I yeah. would have probably do it. I I'd do it if I were to start a brand new company yeah. today, you know? Yeah. And so I think that entrepreneurship, it's just, it's an interesting area because yeah. it's not like any other field. You're kind of like figuring it out. Totally, totally. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, a really delicate thing, especially as you build your company and your teams. Yeah. And we live in a very litigious country yeah. where people say shit all the time for money. And it's just like, it's a, it's a dirty world. And so for me, like I've learned to protect myself, having a whole executive team in place and so that I'm, I'm less exposed yeah. for my next, for, for Tushy and beyond. Yeah. And so that this way, you know, like it's it's easy to have a big target on your back. And at the time at things, like I was kind of pushed in front of, you know, the the loudspeaker in like the period feminism movement, not by choice, but just like the media kind of made that happen. And then it was sort of like this big, you know, like well, take up and take know, down. What's yeah. really interesting that I've realized is that we live in this culture where people love to like bring someone up almost to like have glee and like taking, taking them, them down. down. Yeah. And it's, I've seen it over and over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's kind of sick. It's very sick. We live in a sick culture and, and where, where it's rubbernecking on people's downfalls because it's, there's, there's this, you know, there, there's Wilhelm Reich is this famous philosopher. He talks about the murder of Eros mm -hmm. and people want to, murder of eros means a murder of other people's life force energy mm -hmm. murder of life force energy mm -hmm. people want to murder other people's life force energy to make themselves feel less small people feel small in their worlds because they just want to like they want to do the thing they want to be in the ring but they're too scared or they're too afraid or they're too insecure whatever and so they would rather see people fail than actually get in the ring get inspired and just go and try themselves yeah and so i i believe deeply that like get inspired yes. instead of be jealous or envious. Like he, jealousy and envy is this insidious, dark, sad, gross thing that lives in our culture where it's like choose inspiration, please, over over jealousy and envy. It does not serve you, yeah. most importantly. It makes you look small when you talk shit about other people or want to take somebody down or gl take glee out of someone's downfall. That is showing your cards and your level of insecurity versus the other. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know, I love that you say this because, and not to get like too woo on you, but like I'm very into like manifestation and universe and all yeah, of that. Yeah. But, you know, there is this like universal law of like, I think I think it's like the universal law of like all basically. And yeah. so what the whole thing is that if something is possible for this person, like say you and you have this like life, which I really want. Right. Instead of being like, oh, fuck that Mickey, you know, right. Instead, I can be like, 
holy shit, she did it. That means I can do it too. If it's possible for her, why the fuck would it not be possible for me? Let me go see what she did. Let me get inspired by her and make it happen for myself as well. And people make so many judges. Oh, she went to an Ivy League school. Oh, my father came here with $5 in his pocket from India. My mother came here from Japan speaking zero English. It's like we... It's like you have no idea what my upbringing was. Although I did have a a wonderful, loving upbringing overall. And also, like, why, like, why use those things as, as a way to be like, oh, well, she versus like, wow, like, I can build something out of nothing, too. Well, also, like, Like, there's so many examples, right? Like, say, for example, like, someone doesn't like the fact that you went to an Ivy League. Okay, find an example of someone that literally came from nothing, no Ivy League, and still got to a right. place of success. There's like thousands still, of examples. And you'll still be mad about something about them, too. Yeah, so absolutely. it doesn't even matter. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's about that perspective shift totally. that like, you know, allow people who you feel like jealous, quote yeah. unquote, of, and like ask yourself, why do you feel that? Yeah. Like that's your shadow side, that's you it. know, like that's address it. that. That's and. It. Find the good. That's it. What was so surprising for me about that experience, that Thinks experience, was how many people wanted to believe that story to be true. Because it was just like, wow, like they don't know, they don't know the truth, they don't know anything. And they're like, oh, yes, I knew it. There must have been something wrong with her. And she it was, was just too like, good to be she true. She was too good. Like all of that <laughs> shit. And it's just like the dark underbelly of society showed its colors. Yeah. And it devastated me. Yeah. It really, that was like, that was the deep trauma work that I had to come out of, of just like, wow, like people want to see me fail and they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Like I was so scared of losing my baby at the time because of that, of the pre- of the stress and trauma. And it was sort of like, but like what came out of that experience was like, wow, like I now get to feel what, what betrayal feels like. I now get to feel what anger and like in the depths of hurt and sadness and betrayal and hurt, like the feeling of like despair feels like. So now I can meet someone in their despair. Like when someone has a moment where they've been betrayed or they've been hurt so deeply and been cut down so badly, I now have an access point to that, which I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so deeply grateful that I can now relate to people in a much, much deeper way, having gone through that experience than what I would have had before. And also like because of because of that experience, I've done every healing modality you can possibly think of. Mm-hmm. And I never, I would have been way too proud. I'm Indian, like Japanese, mm-hmm. like Asian people don't do any type of coaching, healing, tapping, EMDR, like all the different healing modalities, like whether it's even ayahuasca or mm-hmm. using, you know, like MDMA therapy, like I've I've done all of it in support of my healing. And it was just sort of like, wow, like, I now have all of these extra tools in my tool belt. And now what's happening is I'm getting calls almost once a month from a different founder who's going through something that I've been, that I, just like that. Like I was just, oh my God, someone just sent, whatever, did this thing. Like, what should I do? I'm like, okay, here's what you do. Do this, do this, do this, you know, for your, for, for any of your deep work that you need to do. Like, here's where you go and you, you get your healing. And so it's just like this beautiful, so now in my, in my ceremonies, like, these people who have written the shitty story or have said the bad things become angel obstacle creators in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I, t- I touch their feet in my, in my ceremonies yeah. because they become, they're such spiritual teachers for yeah. me. They become, they become guides. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I love that you've yeah. like been able to, I, th- I really do think that everyone should kind of approach whatever challenges they're going through with the same sort of like, let me look at it in a different kind of 100%. way, you know? So, as you were coming out of this, it's a really t- difficult thing to do. Yeah. How, and like, I also know that as a founder, so much of your identity is kind of linked to your business, which almost feels like sure. a baby, you know? For sure. How do you come out of that with like such grace? And how long do you wait until you start tushy? Like what fire do you have in you to like bring you out of that? I mean, honestly, trust, I trust the universe so much because in that moment when I was going through that, I was pregnant with Hero. Yeah. And at that time, I had to schedule my pee breaks. My assistant had to schedule my pee break. She mm-hmm. was like, you have five minutes to go pee. Mm-hmm. Like that's how busy I was. And yeah. I was not necessarily fully honoring my pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was universe like, you're done. And the only way you're going to be done is if you have this kind of crazy experience to go and like, to, to, to make you stop. Mm-hmm. And so I think I, I stopped because of that. And... I got to have my baby and I got to really, really revel in his first, like his, I I saw him roll over the first time. I saw him grab something for the first time. I was deeply, truly present 
for every moment of the first year of his life. Mm-hmm. And I will I will always have that time and I will, I will always be grateful for it. And so I think like, it's like trusting the universe. It's like, oh, what have I learned from this experience? Copy, copy, copy. I then wrote my book, Disrupt Her, mm-hmm. in the first two months of my baby's birth. Mm-hmm. Because I had so much to share. It's so much from, from my experience at things. I was like, oh, I wanna just get it all out. And so I wrote my book, Disrupt Her, while I was my first two months of my baby's birth while also being able to be there every step of the way for my baby at home on my lap. And so I just transmuted it to a point of like, wow, like, thank you, universe, for this opportunity to go and be with my baby for the first year, heal, get my shit, get, get like, get myself healed mm-hmm. and then go and start again. And it's also like, I I came so close to like, I I wrote like a lot of different sort of pieces that I was going to share with. I had, you know, different interviews with like all the top publications to like share my side or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, whatever. I have no interest in that at Mm -hmm. all because Mm -hmm. it's dark and low vibrational. Mm -hmm. And so I just was like, the only way to stay high is just put my head down and work and do good work and do what I've been always doing, which is good work. Yeah. You know, and and learn from my mistakes. Was I a tough leader? Yes. Did I believe in excellence? Yes. Should I hired? Should I have hired multi-generational, multi, you know, whatever type? Yes. Were there lots and lots of things I could have done better as a leader? A hundred percent. Did I go through all of those things? A hundred percent. Did that help me then set myself up for my next company? Yes. And so it's like, what can we do? We can absolutely like, again, call that experience, you know, oh my God, that was really hard. Or you can say, wow, I really, really learned and grew from it. Yes, it was, yes, it was hard, but I also learned and grew from it. That's incredible. I, I love that kind of take that you have. So talk to me about from there, you know, you you put out your book, you are there for your son, you know, you heal from this. How do you go and decide to start Tushy? And what was the wait period between Thinks and Tushy? Well, the beautiful thing was I had actually started Tushy quietly in 2014 and put a small team in place starting in 2016 while I was still building Thinks. And so I put a CEO in place for Tushy. I put in a small team of just like, just a small team just to get the, the starter going. Mm-hmm. And so then it, it was just a perfect universe moment where it was just like, okay, when I stepped down from, from Thinks, I just was able to jump into Tushy like that same year, 2017 is when I really jumped in. I took a year to like be with my baby, yeah. but I slowly, slowly started, you know, within the first, I would say, you know, like I, like I probably gave myself a good six months really to kind of stop. But then I slowly, slowly eased my way back in. And then like, you know, by 2018, I brought brought in my CEO and we're off to the races. We've been growing, growing, growing ever since exponentially. How did you identify bidets? Because we all know, like based on this, like, you know, we've talked so much about this, like kind of ongoing throughout this conversation, but like this was like a real fucking problem, right? But like, how did you even identify it? Like, did you always know that this was a problem you wanted to solve? Like, how did you settle on bidets? I mean, at the time, so during all this experience in 2014, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd kind of developed a pretty intense hyperthyroid condition. Mm-hmm. And so one of the side effects of hyperthyroidism is actually pooping up to like eight times a day. Wow. Like that was like oh my, my experience. It was just pooping right. like a lot of poop and I lost so much weight. Uh-huh. And that's, that's your body's just overactive. Uh-huh. And so then I went to, you know, like I was just wiping and wiping and wiping my butt. My butt got so raw. Yeah. I eventually had to jump in the shower and start wa- like just you know, like using the shower because it was so painful. So then my husband got me this really kind of found a crappy bidet product online mm-hmm. and installed it on my toilet as a gift for the first for my first Valentine's Day. Oh. It was so sweet. And it changed my life completely. It changed my whole experience. And it went from like something that was so painful and frustrating. And now, of course, I've healed completely from that experience. Mm-hmm. It, it was a two year long journey, but it was com- I'm completely healed from it. But in that process, I was like, oh, my God, this bidet changed my life. And I started thinking about all the use cases for it. It's like not just people with thyroid issues who have weird poops, people have IBS, people who have cr- chronic UTIs, hemorrhoids, fissures, itching. You know, there's so many, you know, bacterial vaginosis, like all kinds of ailments alone is one huge thing. Then there's like, you know, the huge, you know, beautiful gay community, you know, who want, you know, their tagline, like all of my gay customers are like, oh no, like we have a tagline, which is be a better bottom. You have to be clean down there, you know, be a better bottom. 
And so, you know, like there's 8 million gay men in America, yeah. you know? And so like that's just, just that that category alone. There's like 56 million people in the Lojas community and growing, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, which is a lifestyle, health and sustainability community. There's just like people care about saving trees, like 15 million trees get cut down every single year for toilet paper consumption. That's fucking crazy. Every single year. I mean, the Canadian boreal forest, which is one of the biggest carbon sinks in the world, is being decimated for toilet paper consumption. Are you joking? Which you're just taking and wiping this tree that's literally giving us life and giving us oxygen and we're cutting it down and wiping our asses with them. Like, how fucked up is that? You know? It's just like a no-brainer. It saves you money, like thousands of dollars over time. It saves trees. It's most importantly, saves your health and hygiene. Like, you feel cleaner, you feel sexier, you feel more beautiful. You just feel better. I yeah. think it's it's an awesome product, yeah. much needed. And I think conversations like this are also much needed. Yeah. The last question I'm going to ask you actually is to do with how Tushy took off. I mean, you did it once with Thanks, which was incredible. How did you kind of replicate the same thing with Tushy? Like what were the, what were, I guess, like inflection points for you? I mean, once again, this MTA campaign. The, honestly, they fucking... I don't know if I can think of it as a hate or a love no, because no. they keep doing you these favors. favors. No, like- no. And this is this is this is this is the universe lesson. The experience I had at Thinks was a deep favor for me. You know, I own the majority of the company for Tushy. I am the board. Like I know, like I've learned so much from my experience last time that like it was the the biggest. It's always it like, the universe works in your favor all the time. Like mm-hmm. when you think something shitty is happening, just trust that it's for something that's better for you. Like it feels shitty in the moment, but you come out on the other side stronger, better, and with a better situation always, Mm -hmm. truly always. Like you might not know it, but it will be that way. And so for Tushy, it was the MTA campaign again. They basically said a sexual product. You can't blah, blah, blah. And so we were like, cool. So we again went, took it to press. New York Daily News picked up the story, said like the MTA flushes down bidet company, like ads down the toilet. And we had no idea, but Saturday Night Live every single week scours through the New York dailies to find funny stories to do weekend updates on and different updates on. They basically picked up the story. The head writer for SNL, Michael Che, is obsessed with Tushy and bidets. And he basically went on SNL, wrote a three-minute rant about why Tushy should be on the subways and why bidets are the best thing in the world. It was like a three-minute infomercial for Tushy. That's and wild. It was like, it's a dream. you can't pay for that. That would be millions of dollars. Like, you can't make this shit up. And I think, like, my point of saying that is that, like, again, turning lemons and lemon, like, you don't, you can't know, like, you know, you can't predict virality. You can't predict when some magic's going to happen. You just have to keep throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. And sometimes it's magic. And again, like, that put us on the map. And every time it went on rerun, we would get more sales and more sales oh and more God. sales. And then it becomes exponential because now we have more people trying the product and telling five of their friends. And then them, those five people telling five of their friends and then they have five of their friends. And it just becomes more and more and more exponential. And so it was just like this truly, like you can't make this up moment for us, you know? That was one, we had some, we, we launched a, an event called ButtCon. Mm-hmm. So it was oh like- Oh my God, that's genius. Everything butt related where it was like, butt workouts from Kim Kardashian's butt workout specialist. It was the twerking champion of the world. It was the number one cake sitter. It was Asa Akira, who's the number one anal porn star. It was like all everything, the butt pimple person. Like we had the gut, Dr. Mark Hyman, who's the gut health, who's my dear friends, like specialist. Like we had everything gut and butt health related and butt like fun stuff related came to an event called ButtCon and literally every single major press outlet came and we had billions and billions of press impressions. Then we, the year before that, we created a, a whole year called the year of the asshole. And we just, and we had it at my apartment and we had 25 press, top press, New York Times, New York, every major press came to that too. So it's just a matter of doing crazy weird shit and then just inviting the press there and hoping that they'll write about us. And I think the more we put ourselves in weird spots and do things that are, again, show-stopping, people will listen and watch and people will share. So it's about creativity. People are like, oh, well, how do you become creative? Anyone can be creative. You just have to give yourself the space to be creative. I love that. And these are all such creative ideas. I feel like People really need to, yeah, like think creatively about how to tell their story. Okay, before we end the show, I want to do a quick rapid fire. Yeah. So first question, what is a habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Working out 
you know, playing with my kid, playing, yeah. a lot of playing. I love that. That's a really good answer. What's a book that changed your life? Losing My Virginity by Richard Branson. It was the first book that allowed me to be, like that was like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. I can be an entrepreneur. I read The Virgin Way, which was incredible. Yeah. It's like one of the best memoirs I've yeah. ever read. So I'm going to read Losing My Virginity yeah. as well. He's yeah. so, he's so good. Dope. I was actually going to say that the way that you talk is like a lot of the way that I find that he describes his work. It's like a lot of play and like, Cool. That I, kind of energy. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, play is is the center point of of all, I think, of, of the best businesses. Agreed. Yeah. What is the biggest lesson that you can pass on to others about achieving their big dreams? Take the no as, you know, the first step to a yes. And, you know, like entrepreneurship is like going to the gym. The 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 biggest step is putting your running shoes on and walking out the door. I love that. Mickey, tell everyone where they can find you. Mickey Agrawal, at Mickey Agrawal on Instagram, and then just MickeyAgrawal.com. And my books, Disrupt Her and Do Cool Shit, I, I suggest to go deeper in those as Where well. can they find Tushy and shop Tushy? Oh, HelloTushy.com. Do not go to Tushy.com. It's a very graphic anal porn site. <laughs> go to HelloTushy.com. HelloTushy.com, please, because it's that cookie follows you for a long time time. You don't want that. So hellotushy.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Mickey. This was a joy. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.